Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. What is up? Everyone, welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. Joining me yet again, my partner in crime. He's exhausted from touring coast to coast across the NBA Finals. Tomer Azarli of Clutch Points. Tomer, how about them frequent flyer miles, baby? I didn't get any of those miles, man. NBA wouldn't let, wouldn't let us cop those miles. There's about 13,000 miles on Delta, and not one of them were, not, not one flight I was allowed to take miles on. 13,000 miles? That was the official count? Um, the official count... Yeah, I think it was You did four flights, miles. right? Yeah, you did four flights. It was... Uh, shit, I had this somewhere. I don't even know where. Well, you, well, you flew from uh, where long, you lived to... You flew from where you lived to San, uh, to San Francisco, then San Francisco to Boston, then Boston back to Frisco, Frisco back to Boston, and then Boston back home? And then Boston, yeah, Boston back home, but Boston was to Houston and then to LA with a bunch of delays on the way. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. There we go. Yeah. 385 miles from LA to SF, 3,098 miles, three times from SF to Boston, Boston to SF, SF to Boston, 1,800 miles from Boston to Houston, and then 1,500 miles from Houston to LA. It's about 13,100 miles. Wow. <sighs> yeah. That was fun though. That was really fun. My guy hit that approximation on the head. Look at that. All I got was the 385 miles from LA to SF for Southwest. That's all I got. <laughs> well, you know what, though? That can get you to Hawaii. No problem. I did get a nice first class upgrade on the way back, though. So I will I will say that was cool. Ooh, big baller brand over here. Yeah, it was very, very nice. Very roomy. I felt like I just could could demand like a cup of wine whenever I wanted to, you know? Okay, now now you just sound like... Like a pompous ass, actually. Now that I, think about it. <laughs> I mean, so, isn't that what you're supposed to do when you get to first class? I, I mean, to be fair, yeah. Uh, I apologize if anyone here is barking in the background. The dog's going crazy. People are just going to have to deal with that. All right. We need to talk about trade stuff that's been going on. Trade rumors. It's trade season. It's draft season. Let's kick the can and and, and like the... What was it? What was the phrase from Independence Day? Let's kick the tire. Let's... Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. Did you ever see Independence Day? Kick the tires and light the fires. Uh, that is the quote. I just Googled that quote exactly, and it was, yeah, Big Daddy, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great great line, by the way. Who I believe I believe it's said by Harry Connick Jr. That's too far. I don't know about that one, Chief. I, 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 th- I think it actually is Harry Connick Jr. Anyways, um, all right. So let's talk about Kyrie Irving first. Um, it was recently reported by Sham Sharania that the Lakers, Knicks and Clippers are expected to be among the interested suitors if Irving heads elsewhere. That was according to multiple sources that told the athletic. Um, basically this is because if you follow Sham Sharania's reporting, the Nets and Irving have reached an impact, a quote unquote impasse, uh, as they go through the marketplace and, trying to decide and and decipher through a lucrative contract extension. Uh, I guess, okay, before we talk about whether or not the Clippers should look into this, the thing that people need to understand about the Clippers potentially acquiring Kyrie Irving, 
The only way they can acquire him, they can't sign him as a free agent. They have no cap space and they can't even make the cap space to get there. Um, it, yeah, because it's not feasible. Like they can't deal enough players to get the cap space. So that's out of the question. Number two, they can't they can't sign him in a, or they can't trade for him in a sign and trade because that would hard cap the Clippers and the Clippers are so far over the hard cap that they can't trade enough people to get under the hard cap. And if even if you did trade enough people to get under the hard cap, you'd kind of be a worse team as a result. So the only way that the only feasible way that they can trade for Kyrie Irving is if Kyrie Irving picks up his player option for next season and then the Clippers trade for him. Uh, the option date for him, for Kyrie, is June 29th. That's kind of a standard option date for a lot of player options is, is the 29th. Like Nicholas Batum, we'll get into that in a little while. Uh, Nicholas Batum has an option date of the 29th as well. So with that outlined, number one, do you think it would benefit the Clippers to trade for Kyrie Irving? Number two, what do you think it would cost to get Kyrie Irving? And number three, would you pay that cost? I mean, I I was kind of I was kind of down on, uh, you know, not really for the idea. I didn't I don't I don't really think I didn't think you really needed him. Uh, and then the more I thought about, uh, just just kind of what we watched in, in the finals and, and playoff basketball, and uh, just kind of what it came down to uh, in terms of just pure shot making in clutch situations and big situations. Um, you know, kind of the, whether to stop the bleeding or to just give yourself some more breathing room and. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of I kind of switch sides where I'm like, All right, now you probably you probably should try and go uh, get him if you can. Um, now, this is strictly from a basketball perspective. Uh, everyone knows he's got his off-court issues, and uh, he's kind of uh, you know one one of the one of the more different individuals that we've seen in the league. Um, but but strictly from a basketball perspective, um, I <clears throat> I mean, when you think about the playoffs and the finals, whatever it is, when you when you think about all the situations the Clippers have had, the scoring droughts and having to just go get a bucket just to stop the bleeding and, and get back in it. Um, I mean, how many times can you think about where you go, okay, if, we had a, if, if there was a Kyrie Irving in this situation, that would help a lot. Um, we saw scoring droughts uh, throughout the season in the, in both play-in games uh, that the Clippers played in this past year. Now, granted, Paul George wasn't there for one of them. Um, he missed a lot of time during the year. Um, Kawhi wasn't there. We all know that, but still, ooh, that's a very loud motorcycle. Um, that motorcycle still, though, came through like, uh, like what was it? Like the Kool-Aid man and the family guys, the family guy <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but the, the, having a Kyrie Irving in, in those situations would have been, would have, would have been very helpful. Um, now, now the cost to get Irving, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, I think the, the Clippers probably have the, the most amount of helpful role players that a team like Brooklyn would want uh, to put around a Kevin Durant and ben, ben Simmons and kind of go from there. Um, I, that's kind of part of why I don't buy the the Westbrook to, to the Nets, uh, you know, Kyrie Westbrook trade thing, because like how good is a team with, after what we just saw with Durant Westbrook and Ben Simmons, two complete non-factors from, from outside of like 10 feet. Um, so I, I just wanted to really buy that. Um, the footage, you're being very generous with the footage. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's just, there's just literally, there's no way they can make that work. I just don't see how. Um, and so like, if you're looking for complimentary pieces, which I think the nets would be at that point, um, 
I, I think, you know, I don't whoever you want to name on the Clippers that, you, that they want outside of Kawhi, PG, and Norm, I would guess would probably be expendable um, in a trade for Kyrie. And then, you know, Brooklyn would probably feel good about acquiring two or three of the guys, maybe a young guy as well. Um, the Clippers, I would say, would probably feel good about acquiring a guy like Kyrie. Um, if, if all it took was, was a couple of their role players. Um, I know that they've been, you know, they've been very happy with their, with their core, with, with who they have on their team. So I, 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 it would surprise me, but if they, if they pull the trigger on that. Um, but again, when, when it comes down to it in the playoffs, when, when you need a basket, I mean, just think back to, um, you know, game, what was it? Game four against the Suns last year. Uh, when it was tied 84-84 for God knows, like, what, 10 minutes or something like that? It felt like forever. Felt like we were there for three weeks. Kyrie, Kyrie could have helped you there. Um, but there's other situations where um, he could have helped you as well. Now, defensively, it's a different issue, but when you do have a PG and a Kawhi on your team, um, probably does help to have uh, him. And, you know, defensively, you can cover up some of his mistakes and cover some of his shortcomings, but... Um, I mean, I think I think you should try to look for it. I mean, you, you probably don't try to overpay for him if that's what it comes down to it. Um, you know, I, I, t- I told you about this the other day, like how much of it would be about, similar to what the Lakers and, and Clippers did for Marcus Morris a few years ago, how much of it would be about keeping this player from the other team? Like you remember there was, there was kind of a bidding war for, Ky- for uh, Marcus Morris a few years ago with the Knicks. The Lakers and Clippers both wanted them, and ultimately the Clippers won out. Uh, and I think if the Lakers got him, they would have been a lot better off than the Clippers were at the time. Um, you know, if you think about it this time, uh, if, if, if how much would the Clippers benefit from having Kyrie? And how much would they, would they, you know, how troublesome would it be if Kyrie was on the Lakers with, with LeBron and AD? Granted, that team can't stay healthy. Um, but, you know, it, just just the idea of, of both teams healthy with that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty tough big three for, for the Lakers. They had Kyrie, LeBron, and, and AD. That's kind of where I'm at. In 2019, Zach Lowe had an article where he said that uh, Kawhi Leonard did try to recruit Kyrie Irving uh, at at one point to the Clippers, and he tried to do the same thing with Kevin Durant, and obviously he did the same thing with Paul George. So there's that connection. The the, the latest thing, though, is in his Substack newsletter on Wednesday, prominent reporter Mark Stein, um, he wrote... And I'm just going to read you the direct quote, quote, the overwhelming expectation among rival teams is that establishing the Lakers, Clippers, and Knicks as potential Irving suitors earlier this week was aimed at trying to goad the Nets into offering Irving a more lucrative long-term deal. So it could have just all been a leverage ploy. Like, hey, I'm willing to go to these teams. You better just pay me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It still could be, didn't we? What did we see that with a couple of years ago where it was – it felt obvious he was never leaving, but they still kind of pulled the whole leverage thing. I forgot who it was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it could very easily just be a leverage play here. And in that case, um, I mean, look, the Nets have a lot to lose if they lose Kyrie Irving. Because uh, reports make it seem like if they lose Kyrie, they're also going to lose KD. Um, so strictly from, like, that standpoint, I don't even know if you can afford to to mess with this kind of thing. Um KD to the Clippers, you said? It's, I'm sorry. This, I mean, sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty much. Yeah, let let the Lakers get Kyrie, and then uh, no. Why? Why are you kidding? I I have the clutch points team working on photoshops right now for KD. God, um, please don't. But <laughs> you don't want a Photoshop? Are you kidding me? No, I do not. 
But, I mean, yeah, so the Nets just have a lot to lose. I don't think they can afford to not figure things out with Kyrie. I think all this might be just be negotiations. Um, you know, that being said, Kyrie is a bit of a different dude. Like we said, he's, he's kind of, you know, in, in his own, in his own headspace and then does his own thing. So um, who knows, maybe he is actually uh, considering leaving, but um, you know, if, if Brooklyn just ends up paying up, I, I don't see, you know, I don't see there being any issue here. Um, I think Bobby Marks had a good example of kind of what, uh, what he would offer. I believe it was Kyrie just, just to, protect the team itself i think it was like two years guaranteed and then the last two years non-guaranteed and they become guaranteed if you play 65 games in the first two years uh 65 games each which kind of hefty but um you know i guess when, when you consider the injury history when you consider the covid kind of restrictions and all the games he's missed i mean it's it might be fair i don't know i'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure here but um yeah, the Nets do have to decide what they want to do with him, but ultimately, I, I think things work out and he just stays there. I don't, I don't. They have too much to lose if if they can't get him to resign or stay there. Following the Irving, uh, I guess rumors, news, crescendo. I don't know what the hell to call it anymore. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner were both. I'm not going to say linked to the Clippers, I guess, but like. Zach Lowe on his recent episode of the Low Post, alongside uh, Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express, from both from and ESPN. Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr. Sure, uh, <laughs> no disrespect to Steve Kerr. I I had no interest in listening to the Steve Kerr's part, not even because of Steve Kerr, because it's that time of year. I want I want the juicy gossip. I want the details. So that's what we deal with. Uh, Zach Lowe mentioned in that episode, which was on uh, Tuesday, that. And this is the direct quote, quote, I had heard yesterday that the Clippers, they kicked around Malcolm Brogdon, and that made a lot of sense to me. And then I subsequently heard that there, and then he trails off and says, of course, every team kicks around lots of stuff. I don't think Malcolm Brogdon's going to the Clippers. That was his direct quote. And then Jonathan Gavoni followed that up by saying, Miles Turner, also definitely someone that they're going to look at. So let's handle these together because it is from the same team. They're both from the Indiana Pacers, whether it's in a package deal or individually, let's just talk about them as a duo. How much do you buy that the Clippers are looking at either guy in a serious manner? I do think they're looking at, at both guys. I'm not sure how serious that interest is. Um, and the reason I say that is because I believe the Clippers were one of the teams that red flagged, Malcolm Brogdon in his draft process because of his knees. Uh, how serious? Do, what was the question? How serious do I take these rumors? How serious do you think the Clippers are actually interested in those guys? I mean, I think I think interest is a bit of a, a vague word. I think there's interest around the league in some of these guys, but ultimately, uh, is it worth the price point? Is it worth um, what you're what you're losing and, and what you're getting back? injury history like there's just so much to consider i do know doc rivers is very high on him if you remember that he was he always spoke highly about brogdon he was very um i think they wanted him back in the 2016 draft i think it was um and so it wouldn't surprise me to see them interested i, I know that they were high on him when, when he came in for pre-draft workout uh back when they announced pre-draft workouts but having said that um you know he does have a pretty significant injury history he has not been super available I think he's coming off a career low 36 games for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, yeah, 36 out of 82 this past year. 
Uh, last year, he played 56 out of 72. The year before that, 54 out of 73. Uh, before that, 64, and then 48. So he has not been very healthy at all. I, I tallied it up. It's He's played in 333 out of a possible 473 regular season games, which if you're just looking at percentages, he's played in 70% of regular season games, which doesn't sound bad, but if you're missing 70% of every regular season, you're you're only playing like 57 games. I will say it, it, his healthiest year was his rookie year where he won rookie of the year and he played 75 out of 82 games, and he hasn't played more than 64 since. And his lowest has been 36. So he has been struggling um, big time. So that's something you have to factor in when, when, you, when you consider uh, getting him uh, in, a, in a potential trade. Um, the talent is obviously there. I mean, he's a guy who, I mean, this past year was a bit of a down year for him. I think Indiana was kind of all over the place. But last year, I think he was at a 45 from the field, about 39 from three, uh, average 21 and six. So, that's a guy who, who, as a starter, was really good. Uh, again, you just come back to the injury history there. Uh, and then when you go to Miles Turner... Um, it's the same story. I mean, I, I, I just... Well, I, I guess the difference here is that you're, you're so better set at your, at your center position right now than you are with your point guard position, where if you had to pick a position of need, it's, it's the point guard position, not the center position. So, I mean, do you disagree with that? No, I, I, I don't. So to put it into simple terms, I don't think the upgrade from Zubats to Turner is greater than the upgrade from potentially from Jackson to Brogdon on a exactly. talent level on the floor. Exactly. So, so that, so that's where you have to, and, and you consider that Miles Turner has been what, maybe even worse from a health perspective. He's only I mean, played. In the last three years, Turner's played 151 of 227 games. That's 66.5%. That's slightly lower than what Brogdon's done in his career. Yeah, they're they're both very injury prone. To, to put a number on that, he played 42 out of 82 last year, 47 out of 72 the year before that. Um, and 72 out of 73. Yeah. Last year? Uh, oh, yeah. 73 was the, the bubble. Year. The bubble year was the 73, right? Yeah, yeah. He played 62 oh, out of 73 that okay. year. Then he played 47 out of 72 and then 42 out of 82 this year. So, like, this guy's been this guy's been missing a significant, significant portion of the season. And the thing with Turner, the, j- just real quick, the difference with Turner and Brogdon, Turner's set to enter the final year of his deal. It's $18 million. So if you trade for him, odds are you are going to sign him to an extension. With Brogdon, he already signed an extension with Indiana last season. That deal has three years and about $68 million left. Now, is that a great deal? No, but if he's healthy, it looks a lot better than it does than if he's on the bench in straight clothes. I don't think you can even afford to look at it that way because he hasn't been healthy. Straight up, he just hasn't been healthy. Yeah, that's, so I mean, that's you, true. You, you, like, you're, like, you're same thing with Kyrie, 50, right? 50 games max a year. You're paying for that. Like, that's kind of, so it's kind of funny. Like, these three guys all have the same, we are very injury prone, we're unreliable to be on the floor, and I don't mean that as like a slight against them. It's just the reality. Like Kyrie Irving, fantastic player. But when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, Kyrie's missed a ton of games. He's If you date back to college, Kyrie's missed a third of the games he's been eligible to play. That is a ton of Are you willing to look games. at the COVID year as an exception? This past COVID year as no. an exception? No. Right. No. Yeah, because so he either. did that. I'm just, uh, yeah. He, he did that to himself. He could have been on the floor and he wasn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, 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 I wrote about this in my article. I think you look at uh, strictly just real quick. If you look at the difference between Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins, one decided to get vaxxed. One decided not to make it a big issue throughout the year. One was available and one helped his team in, in a deep playoff run. Um, now, I, I strictly think from like a, uh, a distraction standpoint and, and allowing your team to build some chemistry and build some continuity together, I think that was huge for the Warriors. And I think that would have been huge for the Nets if Kyrie did it. And I think you saw the kind of ramifications of that. They, they, they kind of fell apart. They were all over the place. James Harden wanted out. He quit on them. It just, it just, it, it just, it was like a domino effect. I, I, I think so. It unraveled their season. Yeah, I, I honestly credit Andrew Wiggins for. I know, I know the money was a big thing, but he really, I think he really helped keep that team intact, keep that team focused, uh, kept that team focused by by not making it a distraction and allowed them to focus on winning a championship and, and playing good basketball. And he did that. So credit to him for for. I know he didn't want to do it, but he ended up doing it. And credit to him on that. Yeah, he stepped up to the plate. His team needed him. And he made the right decision. Simple as that. Um, pivoting from trade talk, let's talk a little bit about just one quick nugget about free agency. Uh, Nicholas Batum is expected to decline his player option. Um, that's not shocking. Um, I've written about why that was always going to be the case. There's no other plot. Like it never made sense for him to take us to pick up his player option. It, it never did because the Clippers have his early bird rights. But the big news that came out today, this morning, uh, well, when I say today, it's Wednesday. And you guys are here on this Thursday. Um, the big news was from Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes. He reported early Wednesday that Batum is, quote, widely expected that he will re-sign a t- new two-year deal with the Clippers, league sources told Yahoo Sports. Haynes also goes on to say it is anticipated that the Lakers, Bulls, Celtics, Suns, and Jazz will, quote, have strong interest in trying to get Batum. Um, Haynes also mentions here that Batum has emerged as a locker room favorite whose unselfish play and spot-up shot-making ability fits in seamlessly with franchise cornerstones Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, That's very obvious from watching Batum play. The Clippers possess Batum's early bird rights. If the new two-year deal is to believe from Chris Haynes, and Chris Haynes is a very uh, spot-on and sourced guy. Like, Chris Haynes knows things, obviously. Uh, him, Woj, and Shams, the, the, they're basically the three amigos out there just reporting every every big breaking deal. Um, that would put Batum, due to early bird rights, on pace for about a two-year, $23 million deal with the Clippers. I'm going to tell you, right off the bat, before I get your take on this, um, perfectly acceptable, perfectly fine, could, no, could not be happier if that was the end, end result of this. That Batum's not a two-year deal? I mean, is it? I don't think anyone's surprised. I, I don't think anyone's really surprised by by one teams being interested by him in him and two him probably going to sign with the Clippers or signing with the Clippers. I mean, I think I think most people. I mean, going back from you know the the the, the end of season kind of press conference that he had the um, the comments he made about T. Lou, um, T. Lou's comments about him plugging my own kind of thing here. Like uh, I, I just I don't think it's any any. Surprised at all? Like, if anyone's surprised that Batum is resigning, I don't think you've been paying attention. Um, I think I think the Clippers have a, have a good opportunity to, um, you know, keep keep their team keep their team deep, um, not have to overwork guys throughout the year. They're probably um, manage the you know manage the workload of of, of a PG of Kawhi of uh, you know probably let Batum handle sip some more stuff uh, early on Roko as well, um, and then they'll just manage him throughout the year. Uh, but, but Nico's been uh, Nico's been fantastic. I mean, Nico's been. Uh, I don't think a lot of teams are super interested in, in Nico when he uh, 
when he was bought out by Charlotte. I think somewhere, I don't think a lot of people were confidently interested in him. Um, and so, you know, when he, when he signed with the Clippers, uh, he, I, I, I feel like he instantly made an impact. Like he, I think he, within like a week, everyone was like, Oh, Nico, Nico's, Nico's good. Nico's not watching. Yeah, like, right? fa- I mean, like, like, Oh, he found the spark again. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I remember watching him and I was like, Oh, I, 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 everyone said he was washed what is this he, he wasn't i remember I, remember I was big on playing fantasy and nico was a big fantasy player because he could do so many things like block uh get steals get threes and like i remember he stopped playing in charlie and i was like oh well i guess he's maybe he's washed then. i don't know maybe he's old i don't know um and then he came to the clippers and it's like what he, he, he can still do all that so what what are we what was charlie doing boy there is big potential for something similar with gordon hayward let me tell you well he's just injured well he's just injured and i'm not really I mean, I guess Nico was in, but he was like a healthy scratch, I think, for a lot of Charlotte's years. I think James yeah, Borrego I mean, came true, in and said, like, we're yeah. just not going to play you. Uh, Haynes also noted that the Clippers are, quote, in the driver's seat as far as getting Batum back. Uh, let's hope that's a lot better than the driver's seat the Clippers were in for Game 7 against Denver, according to Paul George. So I hope that goes a lot better than that. Oh, then. that's where I remember. I was trying to remember where I heard that driver's seat uh, line before. I'm like, I don't think there's a good reference to it. And you remember it's nice. So yeah, thank you. yeah, that was that remembering was... everyone. What was that? Was that was that the, was that the blown three one lead in the bubble? Yeah, where he talked about, after game six, he said we're still in the driver's seat. We have nothing to worry about. Then he said something like all the pressure is on them, and it's like no, no, it's not. But I respect it. The um, moment you knew you were done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like once you heard that quote, you're like, uh, all right. Um, pivoting the NBA draft. If you're listening to this Thursday, the NBA draft is tonight. The Clippers have the 43rd overall pick. It was reported on Wednesday by LA Times' Andrew Greif. Shout out, Andrew. Love you, buddy. Hope you're doing well. Can't wait to see it. Uh, that the the league observers, this is his quote, league observers have described the Clippers as uninterested to trade out of the draft altogether while also not appearing driven at the moment anyway to move up. So the reason this is big news is because the Clippers have made a draft night deal, whether they move up, down, out, whatever, they do. They've done something every year since 2015. Um, the other note that Greif has in here is that some league observers believe that the Clippers could end up with a forward or center in this draft because they're already loaded with, as he says, they're already loaded with wings, and that while they're pursuing a veteran point guard this offseason, and the point guard class can be described in this draft as quote not particularly deep. So, with that said. Um, before I'm not going to get into the draft prospects, they could draft. That is not my purview. I like, I like some guys. I don't have the urge to talk about them ad nauseum right now. Um, we're just going to wait and see what happens on draft night. Do they actually pick if they do make a pick, but is it a tad shocking to find it? Like kind of get the, the sense, I guess, as Andrew reports that like, they're, they're not really looking to trade really. I think it'd be hilarious if by the time this podcast is posted, the Clippers traded their pick. I was just hilarious. This entire conversation would be worthless. It'd be so funny. Most um, of our conversations are worthless, though, so that's nothing new. <laughs> um, what was it? I, I, I think I think you mentioned the other day. Um, the Clippers had a history, uh, let's just say, of of, of not <clears throat> of trading trading their their picks and, and not using their picks very wisely a few years ago. And uh, I think I think as you said, Lawrence Franken kind of the front office kind of learned from that, and they want to. Um, you know, just be more proactive to secure young guys. Uh, try to at least keep some kind of um, uh, developmental 
keep keep the developmental side going. Uh, you know, with, with Terrence, with guys like Luke, with Jay Scrub, with Jason Preston, Brandon Brosson. Like they have a good a good kind of young nucleus that they want to focus on while still competing for a championship. Um, you know, when you give up so many first round picks like they have to, um, I don't even know who they traded the two. I think the Thunder. Yeah, the Thunder. Um, your avenues to improve, especially when you're so, you know, like limited cap wise, um, would be to, to, to use these picks, get these players, see what you can do out of them. Um, I mean, the, the Clippers somehow, somehow, uh, got Norman Powell and Robert Covington out of Keon Johnson. Um, he was kind of the main, main part of that package last year. So, uh, it, it's good to, it, it's good to, to have that as an option, you know, don't always have to just trade out of that and try to get some cap relief or some financial relief, whatever it is. Um, you know, those picks can come in handy, and I think this front office is going to figure out how to how to how to use that to their advantage. Um, I think they traded up a few times, and didn't they trade up for fee? I think they uh, they traded they trade up, up for, for fee. fee. They traded up for Last Daniel Oturu. Uh, yeah, they traded up for Jason Preston, I think, and they they one hundred percent. Oh yeah, I think they did. They traded up for Keon in the first round. And I think they trade up for Jason in the second round, maybe. And I know for a fact they traded for Brandon. Yeah, so they're going to be proactive. I mean, if they trade the forty third pick, it might be to jump into a thirty spot, or you know, try maybe maybe get something more, something that they think fits their better roster better. But uh, I mean, at this point, it's they they've drafted better in the in prior years in the recent years. So uh, I think. I think they're they're a little bit more reliable in that in that area. Uh, I think if you can remember, they had a lot of uh, a lot of misses with. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start with it. like C.J. Wilcox, Diamond Stone, not, Bryce Johnson. But, they just buddy, had a lot, a lot of misses. We're not, we're not we're doing, doing that, that right now. No, <laughs> you don't feel like getting please, depressed. <laughs> please, I'm I'm living a very healthy life right now. Please, please, please. Yeah. So. Um, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what they do in the uh, in the draft in the next couple uh, next couple of days or t- tonight actually. But um, yeah, we'll see. What's the timer for to tell me to to screw off and you got stuff to do? No, I'm supposed to go get my uh, get my pizza slice out of the out of the oven. Oh, look at you! Don't anyway, mind me. Okay, you you, we'll you f- can take over. Right. Yeah, I will. That's never stopped me. We still have some time. No, we still have some time. You don't have to rush me. You're good. No, 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 no. We're gonna wrap this up with one last note about the draft. Uh, on Wednesday, John Hollinger, senior NBA com- columnist for the Athletic, recently did a or he did a mock draft on Wednesday, and he had some like little news and notes. One of the notes had to do with the Clippers, and he said that the Clippers at forty three overall are quote likely to sign their pick to a two way if they can keep them, and that may restrict which players they select to those who indicate an openness to taking that route, which means. The Clippers may only be able to select a player that's very open to taking a two-way deal, which if that is the case, if they're if they're looking at only players who take two-way deals, that tells me two things. Number one, Jay Scrub is back. Number or it tells me three things. Number one, Jay Scrub is back on a two-way deal. Number two, Xavier Moon will not be back on a two-way deal. Number three is the Clippers are slated. If they bring everybody back minus Rodney Hood, the Clippers are slated to have 14 players under contract, guaranteed contracts, 14 players, which means they would have an open roster spot, which leads me to believe that they would be looking at a vet minimum guy or or potentially a player in the buyout market during the season if, if something uh, 
that kind of kind of comes up that they find themselves to possibly need. Or, and I guess I should have to mention this as the big one, they could be the team that that John Wall, if the Rockets and Wall come to an agreement on a buyout, they could be the John Wall team. They would have the open roster spot why, to make that happen. Why is, is it, everyone sorry, go, go. I'll just ask. No, I was gonna ask, does that make sense? Like, does do those things make sense? Like Oh, yeah, all of them make sense. Them looking at only a two-way guy means I don't think they're going to... Like, I think they're saving that 15th spot for a guy like Wall, potentially. I mean, how long did they keep that roster spot open instead of signing Amir? I mean, granted, they didn't have to re-sign Amir or sign Amir to that NBA contract, but... No, 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 I'm I'm counting Amir among the 14. No, but I'm saying last year, like even last year, like they they kept the spot open for a long time. Um, They 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 didn't cut Shemi for a while before signing Amir. Uh, right until they had to so like i think they, they just like to keep their flexibility they like to keep their their options open and um you know i, I one thing i was gonna ask i don't disagree that john wall would make sense for them but has john wall been linked to them because i see a lot of john wall to clipper stuff and outside of just speculation i don't think i've ever heard uh actual reporting or rumors that, he, that he's been linked to them it hasn't been like outward wall linkage. I know that's like a weird phrasing I just gave you on that one, but like in April, there was stuff that was linking wall to the Clippers. Um, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report brought up, brought up him as well as I was brought to Clippers with wall, as well as the Miami heat. This is what he wrote in the event that wall does get bought out. This is what he wrote. Wall would become an unrestricted free agent, and the Clippers, along with the Miami Heat, have been mentioned by league sources as strong potential landing spots for him. So, so that's kind of where it started from. I mean, I, I guess, I guess, I guess the biggest thing I'm, I'm kind of looking at is that, like, for, a, I mean, if, if, if Wall wanted to come to the Clippers, if he wanted to negotiate a buyout, and he wanted to make it happen, I think they would have made it happen already. Um, maybe now it's easier. Maybe, maybe now it just does happen. But it, it'll be a lot easier now than it was last year. From what I understood, though, he just he still believes he's a starting caliber player, um, and a player like him accepting a bench role in Houston or a bench role in in LA. Like, is he a starter if he if he joins the Clippers? Does he start over Eddie Jackson? Do you want my honest answer? Yes. He shouldn't, but I think he would, and I don't know if that's the right call, but I think that would be what happens. Right. So I I just don't. You, the moment, you know, the moment John Wall. You know what it'd be. Re- I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. You know what it'd be kind of reminiscent of to me. Do you remember when Ty randomly dropped Ty's first year? So the year they make the conference finals, he randomly drops that nugget where he mentions how in training camp he thought Reggie should have been the starting point guard over Pat, but that they just eventually did it later on in the year. Do you remember when he like randomly I dropped that to, that to no. everybody? No, no, you don't. Okay. It was, it was very, it was very weird. It was like, Oh, like that's a, like he makes mention like, yeah, we thought about doing this in training camp, but we just never did. We didn't want to like upset the, the chemistry, not chemistry, but like, we didn't want to upset. This is the zoom year. Correct. Yeah. And everything was on zoom. Okay. Yeah. It was, oh. it was very random. It was very like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. It, I think, I think this would be something similar. Yeah. I, I just, I, what I was going to say is I think John Wall knows what's he making 47 million this year. I think he knows. Well, it's, it's obvious the moment a player like him who is 
still 31. Um, I believe, I mean, when he played last year, he was healthy. He averaged, I believe it was 21 and, uh, I have it right here. He averaged 20 and seven. Uh, now his efficiency, 40% shooting. He's a career 43% shooter. Um, you know, on a team like Houston, I guess you could see that, but I think it would improve with a team, on a team like this. Um, the moment if I remember correctly, control, well, I was gonna say, if I remember correctly, his catch and shoot three point numbers are not bad for his career. If I remember correctly, I will take a look real quick while I say this, but the, the moment a player like him accepts a bench roll, uh, his, his value plummets. Um, no one is viewing him as a starter anymore. And I, I, I guess it's kind of, I understand why he's been holding out these last couple of years. Um, I, I know he never wanted to leave Washington and they traded him. Uh, and he, again, like the, the, the second that he becomes a, a backup, you're not recovering for that financially or, uh, you know, uh, role-wise as a team, you, as a player, you're not going to recover from that. But the problem for the problem is so, so like hypothetically, right? Like say we get into the, into the actual nitty gritty of the free agency market and the Clippers have their, their taxpayer mid-level exception to use, which is like $6.4 million. And it's going to come down to Isaiah Hartenstein and John Wall. Hypothetically, this is not sourced. I'm just saying hypothetically, it comes down to Isaiah Hartenstein and John Wall, $6.4 million. John Wall takes a hefty buyout from the Houston Rockets and he's available it's down to those two, six point four million. Which way do you lean? John Wall or Isaiah Hartenstein? Yeah, I probably lean Isaiah Hartenstein. I don't disagree, really. And honestly, what would the Clippers have to offer after that? Just like a minimum of a minimum deal for Wall? Yeah, I mean, for a guy who's making forty-seven million, all right, he gets he gets bought out, so he probably is making a ton of money anyways. I don't think money's really a big issue for him in that case. But I think some kind of guarantee of a starting spot needs to be out there. I don't. That I, that's what I I believe from what I heard that that's why he didn't want. That's why he wasn't approving with trade last year. He wasn't very um, fond of the idea of coming off the bench, whether it was here or somewhere else. So that's that's kind of why you know I guess a Clippers trade never happened or a trade somewhere else never happened. But um, that to my knowledge, anyways. So like I don't know how that changes this year. Um, does he does he start over Reggie and you bring Reggie off the bench? I don't know. I don't know. I it's think all... Reggie. I think Reggie is more amenable to coming off the bench than Pat would have been for Wall. I think so as well. I think Reggie's been on both ends of the spectrum and he he understands. I I, I think there's no there's no issue with him. I think the, the biggest issue is just with Wall. Like if Ty feels that if Ty feels that Reggie's the better starter, John can't John Wall can't do anything about that. You know what I mean? And so, we've seen that Ty doesn't care sometimes what the players think. So, so Ty, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like Ty legitimately will will start Reggie if he feels like Reggie's a better option, and Walt can go like, you know, fucking take a hike. Like he, he doesn't care. So like, you have to make sure that if if you bring him in, he's good with whatever role you decide to put him in. If you're Ty or the Clippers, whoever, like, you have to be. He has to be okay with coming off the bench, being a starter. Doesn't matter. Playing ten minutes here, playing thirty minutes if he needs to. Like he needs to be okay with that. I think the rest of the Clippers have bought in. Uh, I, I don't know if if he's bought in yet. Now, I, I might be wrong, and he might be – I don't want to speak for him. He might just be able to buy into that pretty quickly and be down with that. But um, I, I just – I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Boy, it's going to be a hectic couple of weeks. Um, Tomara, thanks for hopping on. 
Everybody, if you listen to this on Thursday morning when this drops, the draft is the night. We'll see what the Clippers do. Uh, Tomer and I hopefully will be back maybe the next couple days after the draft if the Clippers do anything to kind of break it down or just, you know, wax poetic about it, so to speak. So, Tomer, I love you, buddy. It's been too long. Thank you. Thank you. Right now I'm watching Colorado and Tampa Bay. Same. Uh, 2-2. 14-36 left in OT. To think that by the time people listen to it tomorrow, they will already know the winner. But we are just stuck in this. I love the Stanley Cup final. Stanley Cup playoffs, best shit. That's all I'm saying. This is everybody. This is yeah. Go go for it. Yeah. No no go go no go ahead. What were you gonna say? One last thing. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say playoff hockey is fun. I, I it's tough for me to watch regular season hockey, but I will watch playoff hockey. Overtime playoff hockey, especially in the Stanley Cup final, is it, it really is Kermit injecting heroin meme. You know when 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 we were when we were in, when we were in Boston, we went to a. I was surprised at how many people. We're at a local bar just watching the game. I'm like, bro, your team isn't even in. They're like, no, we don't care. We're just big sports fans. And they were all just there watching the uh, watching the game. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. Boston's a fun that sports town. I will say that. Boston, they're insane. Okay. They're crazy. They're batshit crazy. We're, we're done. But. We're done. We're not praising Boston. <laughs> Everyone. I'm, I'm just said they're batshit crazy. I was you're kind of praising them. It's a little disgusting. You were, I, you were I, over there praising their architecture on Instagram. You're like, oh, there's so many bricks. That like, town yeah, loves they sh- brick. Can I just, can I? Just yeah, they, yeah, no, no shit. They threw them up in brick? the finals. They what? I said no shit. They love bricks. They threw them up in the finals. Look at you. I, no, actually, it's, it's not. It's not exactly true, but it's it, it turned a lot of turnovers out there. <laughs> they were. Fine. I admire your joke, they, though. I'm sorry to ruin it for you. They, yeah. they, the Boston Celtics played every game of the finals like it was January 24th on the road in Atlanta. They had that was the entire. Bro, you like, had a chance that. to say January 6th and you didn't. Oh, all right. I gotta go. Come on, you watch every everybody. Take it easy. We'll see y'all in a little while. Stay safe. Do what you're doing. Stay hydrated. Everybody take it easy. We'll talk to y'all later. Say goodbye to the good people. Peace.